0: What up, y'all? It's Ed Lovers. Come on, son, the podcast. Y'all know how I do this each and every week. Y'all get to hear me talking to some great people, man, and sometimes I'm just by myself, man. And you know this all brought to you by Cigars International. Make sure you go to cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. If you're an aficionado like me, you know where to go to get your cigars. I'm always on Cigar International. I got your products, cutters, lighters. All the best cigars, top 25 cigars of the year, all of that. Cigars International, you make sure you go to cigarsinternational.com. Also Nissan locally here in Atlanta, Nissan South of Morrow, 6889 Jonesboro Road. They take care of me, they take care of my girl Moni Love, and they will take care of you. Used car, new car, trade-ins, whatever you need, make sure you, you holler at Chris White over at Nissan South in Morrow. My guest this week. Man, this is, this, is, this is fantastic for me, because I've known this dude for a long time. They uh, they shot a video, I can't remember which video they shot, but they shot it up in Reverend Ike's church up in, in Washington Heights. You guys shot it in Reverend Ike's church, and I was there, I was actually in the video with the Fugees for one of your videos. I don't remember, I think it might have been Cowboys. Proswell is in the building for what floor. up? What up? What's what up, up? What up? I'm trying to think about the video. Yeah, it was up in Reverend Ike's church right there across.
1: It might have been Cowboys. It was Cowboys. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was there. It, absolutely, oh, wow. man. Uh, and wow. Prize is in the building, man. Long time friend, or uh, uh, man, known this guy for a long, long time. time How you bro. been, man?
1: man? I'm great, man. I'm great. Good,
0: good. That's that's good, man. Great to
1: see you, man. You too, my brother. Thank you, thank you. It's thank been. You. A, it's People don't it. know, man. I grew up like I remember when we first trying to get a game, man. The dream was to get on your show, man, MTV Rap. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying to you? It was great, man. It was, man. Those were days.
0: Yeah, was, and how long has it been now?
1: What year is this, 2017? <laughs> so, 24 years, 25. Yeah, because 20, next year we're going to be inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, 25 years.
0: Y'all are going into the Rock and Roll Hall well, of Fame? Well, I mean,
1: we're gonna, we are gonna nominated. You're on the ballot. Yeah, we are. Yeah. You're
0: on the ballot. Well, congratulations on that, man. 25 years ago, what was the goal?
1: Man, the goal was just to get respect amongst our peers, man. You know, cause you know, when you first start off, man, it's, it, cause you, you do not expect it's going to become this thing. So the goal was, man, if I, if wu if Chang can give us a shout out, if, you know, we want to be with Biggie's at, we want to be with, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, cause it was about the hip hop, like, yo, we want to be hip hoppers, you know? And then you sell a million records. Three million, four million, five million. Then the stakes get higher and higher and higher. You know? Right.
0: What? How did you guys all get together? How did the Fugees form?
1: Um, I was in high school. I met this girl um, who was in the group. She introduced me to Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill was in the eighth grade. So I formed the group. It was me and two girls. And then my senior year, Whitecleft jumped in into the group. It became the four of us. And then right before we graduated, the girl who I started a group with dropped out because we didn't get a record deal by the time we graduated. So she dropped out because of that.
0: Oh, shit. Uh, Because you guys didn't get a record deal.
1: Yeah, her thing was, if you want me to be in a group, we gotta get a record deal before I graduate or else I gotta go to college. But I went to college. Lauren went to college. Clef went to school, you know, so. Uh I don't know why she felt like that. Mm. She was incredible. Really? Bro. She was, mm, I, like, if 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 Lauren Hill is, if she's Earth, this girl was probably the universe.
0: Are you kidding me?
1: Yo, this girl was insane.
0: What is her name?
1: Her name is Marcy.
0: Okay. Yeah, she, it's, she just and then she just gave it up.
1: She just gave it up. She stopped. She didn't stop. I I think. Ed, you got to look at it like this, right? So in the era we're in today, if someone said, I'm putting out a record, it's no different if someone said, I'm going to the
0: bathroom. Oh, wow, yeah.
1: Back in that era, you put out an album, that was a major deal because yeah. there was no such thing as independent, you couldn't do it on your own, you had to be signed right. to some form of an entity. Am I right or wrong? You're absolutely right. Okay, so in her mind, she probably thought, man, you guys want to get a record deal, and you want to, mm, okay. I,
0: yeah, that's like reaching for a fucking comet. Right, exact,
1: exactly, you see what I'm saying, to you? So she went to some college called Boston Conservatory, and we just pursued our dreams, and then, you know, we're here today.
0: How did y'all get discovered?
1: Yo, so there was this girl I knew in one of my classes, her father, was the producer, creator, and writer for Cole and the Gang, Kyleese Bayon. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, it's so funny, her boyfriend was the captain of the football team, but she never really introduced her, uh, her boyfriend was a rapper, but she had a crush on me. And one day, man, if this girl ever come up to me, man, one day she came up to me, she says, I know you're not feeling me, but I'm gonna introduce you to someone that's gonna change your life. And that was her dad. Uh And he literally changed my life, because when I went to him, he got us into a production deal, then introduced me to, at that time, my manager, David Sonnenberg. And he got us a record deal, and the rest is history.
0: Wow. Wow. So she literally just, on, have you seen her since? Nah. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. She has to sit back at some point and go, I did that.
1: No, I, I'm, I'm telling you, she said to me, I'm going to introduce you to someone, and it's going to change your life. And I don't even think she understood what she was saying when she said it, uh-huh. but I never forgot it.
0: Yeah. So And then he gets y'all a record deal and y'all immediately go into the studio. You, had you ever been in the studio before? Did you guys have a demo little, tapes? And... little
1: pre-production studio. And then we went to what they call a major studio. That's where, because um, this guy, was the manager who became my manager was managing Meat Loaf, Eric Clapton, um, Jimmy Iovine, right before Jimmy Iovine did Interscope, mm-hmm. he used to manage Jimmy Iovine. Oh, wow. So we were all in the studio. You see what I'm saying, too? So it was like, man, this big studio with a, real pool table and you know it was like it was it was, it was great at that time.
0: Wow. What is, what is the first thing you remember y'all doing when y'all went into the, the major studio instead of the pre-production?
1: It was just like first we were, you know, um we're excited, you know. We were very like it was just overwhelming cuz it was like, man, this is what you, you see all these plaques on the wall, the Gang, Meatloaf, Eric Clapton. Um, you know, all these other, Fleetwood Mac, everything. And, um, oh, we they had that, um, they had a Coogee rap, because he used to manage Coogee rap in Oh, now wow, okay. This guy, you know Bernard Alexander? Yeah, of course. So Bernard used to work for David Sonnenberg. Uh-huh. So basically... Bernard would handle the the hip hop division for him. Okay, that's when he had Coochie Rap, Nas, right? Um, you know these other rappers, Eric Sermon, Eric he was, Sermon, right? Yeah, right, EPMD, right, 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 exactly. with. Yeah,
0: dealing with. There's a lot of stuff that Bernard Alexander was mm-hmm. doing at the mm-hmm. same time. I didn't know Bernard was involved with y'all early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Early on in your career, definitely. Yeah. So you signed it. You signed to Columbia, right?
1: We signed to House, Columbia.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. At that
1: time, they had Cypress, so they had Cypress Hill and um, Criss Cross, that was the and old... schooly do Schooly-D, sorry. Schooly oh, Schooly-D. D. Yeah, because the, the label's from Philly.
0: Okay, yeah, I remember Rough House, absolutely. So you guys signed with Rough House, uh, you go and you start working on your first album. Was it was your first album outside producers, or did you guys do it yourself?
1: Um, It was some, well, it was mainly the guy we were signed to, Calice, and his production company, and we had input but it was mainly him. so the first album it was a weird it, w- it was a weird moment cuz in anything whether it's technology music whatever you either want to be the first one in or the last one you don't want to be in the middle cuz if you're in the middle by the time the shift happens you're late so remember when the hip hop the fushnikins the uh, leader of the New School era, Slam, that, that yeah. progressive. So we came in the middle. And by the time we dropped our album, Nas dropped, then your man buckshot shift the whole thing. Come follow me, come follow me. Yeah. So the, the hip hop movement just slowed all the way down. So by the time we dropped our album, it was already dated. Okay. And that's when Salam saved our lives by doing that remix, Mona Lisa. That's what saved us. Really. Yeah, bro. Cause the first album was Boof Bop, and by the time we dropped it, now you got Nas with Illmatic. You got you know everybody. The whole hip hop scene changed. Biggie coming out, you know. So everything wasn't aggressive anymore. It was more like, you know, more like B boy. You know what I'm saying to you? So um, we got caught out there, but was but we had a great show. Uh, our live show was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, though know, we didn't have a hit, and the album was out, label didn't know what the hell to do with us. And then Jeff Burrows, our product manager, introduced us to Salaam Remi. That's when Salaam did the remix for Buckshot, he did the remix for a lot of people, so he was kinda like on a hot track. And they felt like he could understand what we were, cause the Fugees was kinda like a different style of hip hop, you know, musical, hip hop, but not really hip hop, you know. So Salaam was like, look, I'ma take everything you guys got going on, and I'ma put it into this. And that's when, Mona Lisa, can I get in there? Right. In there? And that's when it's kind of like everything
0: kind of like shit. So that one, that one remix.
1: Save our lives. We got dropped. (laughs) I'm I'm dead ass They were talking about dropping you? Yeah, because they they were like, because you got to remember the movement was so strong in that era. Uh Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So we didn't fit. Although we were doing shows, we were were doing shows with Biggie. We were doing shows with Ice Cube. We were doing a lot of shows and the audience was responding, but we just didn't have the record. Right. You see what I'm saying, too? We did the tour with Queen Latifah. We opened up for her. Uh-huh. So we was all over the place. Our chops was up. So then finally the remix came, and then the label was like, mm, there might be something there. Cause mm-hmm. We just we kept we kept touring on that remix, and they were like, go make an album. Go figure it out. And we were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to figure this thing out. And we didn't have no money. They gave us, like, crumbs. For the score? Yeah. You know how much the score costs? How much? Get
0: the fuck. Come
1: on, dude. For (laughs) real? Yo, and you know how much money each of us got out of that? How much?
0: $1,200. Wait a minute. Y'all only got $1,200 Each of us for our pockets. Yeah. For doing the score? For doing the score. Wow. So now you're going in. You got Salam remixed the hell out of that. You yeah. Chiba Chiba, y'all. Yeah, and i am a y'all. Yeah. That's just playing on the radio all day long. Now we know who the fuck the Fugees are. Right. You go back in and do the score, what's your mindset going in? Let, let us prove to everybody we dope.
1: That, but also like, let's not try to chase waterfalls. Let's chase greatness. And what I mean by that is, where we, where you know, as a hip hop artist, you always influence. So when I was watching your sh- listen, back in our day, there was only two shows to watch. Rafael Daniels Video Music Box. And your MTV Rock. Right. Period. There's nothing else you can watch. So we're watching all the hot videos on your show, you automatically as an artist is being influenced. Right. Cause you're like, man, Naughty by Nature's now is not coming out and not, you know what I'm saying? That whole tribe called tribe, quest tribe, they quest. soul. Right. So we're like, yo, how do we where
0: do we fit and then you mob get, deep mob. Nah, Skooji rap Big Daddy Kane yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slick Rick Snoop, Snoop. The Snoop. West was coming the in The West was killing. Al-Kai's down in the land right. you
1: know and so so all of that is happening and so when we went to do the score, we said listen let's do what we best what we good at and that is we musical and we can put a great soulful. We got Lauren, who's the singer. You got the two guys, with the rapper. Clef, you you the you the um, musician. I'm the business. Yo, let's incorporate us. So, uh-huh. So the first record we did was, um. yo, I'm going to tell you a crazy story. So we go back to Salon. So we go back to the well that you uh-huh. giving given, right? <clears throat> so Clef and Lauren called me. They were at Salon 4th of July. Never forget this weekend. 1995. One of the hottest summers on record. 1995. He said, yo, we got this beat that is crazy. You got to come hear this record. So I was in Jersey. This is when I was living in Jersey. So I drive out in the Hoop go to Salam, and he's playing this beat. And I'm like, I don't really get it. Like, I get it, but I don't get it, right? He's like, yo, this beat is going to be incredible. Fat Joe just passed on this beat. And I was like, who gives a fuck? I still don't get the beat. Mm-hmm. So then we're like, all right, well, let's let's try to record something on it. So for like five six hours, Lauren, because where we used to do records is we first figure out what the hook is, right? Uh huh. So Lauren's in the studio for five six hours straight in the vocal booth, just dropping all types of um hooks on it. They all were dope, but it wasn't that. Oh. Yo, right when, after six hours, she's tired, her voice is getting sore, whatever, she decided, like, all right, we're gonna come back the next day. And she start humming, ooh-la-la-la. La, la. It's the way that we We was like, yo, what's that? She said, no, I was just humming something. No, 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 hum that shit on the mic. And she just start humming it. We like, that's the hook.
0: She that was it. ooh-la-la-la-la, la, la, la. wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And y'all was like, that's it. We were like, that's it. Right. That's it.
1: So that's the first record we recorded.
0: Okay. Wow. And y'all all all just wrote the stuff that you wrote that all of y'all wrote for that record. Mm. How do y'all decide who goes first on on a record? Uh, It's
1: a perfect record. Like if you if you switch it up, it's not the same record. Yeah, 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 right. You know what I mean? It's just that it was just a vibe, like when, when she sung the hook, she wasn't sure about the oh So she had did the hook for some friend of hers for some bullshit mixtape. But it wasn't that. It was the melody. And she was like, well, I don't know. It was my friend's. I was like, yeah, listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> mixtape, album. Right. OK? You singing this on this level, it could take us to a whole different. That mixtape is not going anywhere. No disrespect to your homeboy, but it's what it is. So... So first we had to convince her to let the hook go. Okay. So then when she did that, it was like, Clef was so am. We used to be number 10, now we, we was like, whoa, I like that. We used to be number 10, now we're permanent one. Right. That feels like an intro. Right. <laughs> so that's the way to set it right. off. Right, and then Lauren was like, you know, came with Mitsubishi, Joe, my sushi and all that, you know, it was like, oh, that felt good. And then I was like, let me just close it. So it was just a format that just kind of like, everybody just fell in place that, when it felt right to fall in place.
0: Right, and that's the very first record y'all Very recorded. first record we recorded. Good God Almighty. And then and then going on, creating that album and and and, and having that vibe and that feel, when did it, how, how did it feel for that record to come out and then take off? Like, where? Do you remember the pro- the progression? Oh, my
1: God. I remember every single second of it. Yeah, of course.
0: Uh-huh. Because you got to remember
1: something. You know, back then, it was very important, more so than just record cells to be accepted amongst your peers. That was a thing back then. I mean, it's different now, but back then, your peers had to say, okay. He, she, they hot. They piping. Right. Right? So for us, it was like, we doing this for our peers and fans first, right? Like we want people to be like, these they hot. So when we finished the album, I'll never forget this. When we went to the label and we played them um They didn't like Killing Massie. What? Yeah, yeah, they were like, we don't know what that is. At school, wait, wait,
0: wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> One of the biggest records ever, they didn't like it?
1: Yeah, they were, it's not that they didn't like it. They were like, yeah, it's interesting, you know, but that's Roberta Flack. We were like, what are you talking about? They're like, nah. That's the... That record, by the way, was to show you how much they didn't think anything about the record. The second official single was Ready or Not. Right. That's why it's a million dollar video. Mm-hmm. But... The station out, this rock station out of California just so happened to play Killing Me Softly because the guy, the disc jockey said, I always been a fan of y'all when y'all first came on the road. I liked the energy. He said, I'm a rock guy, so I like what you guys were doing because Clef was playing the guitar. He said, so when this album came out, I heard Food July, <clears throat> I thought it was a good record, but we couldn't play it because we were a rock station. He said, so I'm looking at the back of the album and I see Killing Me Softly, so... And let me show how God works. Originally the name of the record was Killing Us Killing a Soundboy. But the guy who wrote the record was like, y'all not fucking up my shit. Y'all going to have to keep it up, keep it the way it is. Okay. Right? Cuz how So we, the hook was even
0: Killing yeah. a Soundboy. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're fucking blowing my mind right now, dude. You actually changed the entire Yes, Killing a Soundboy. Yo, the dude, the
1: writer was like, the guy who wrote it was like, listen, I love you guys. Only way I'm going to clear it, you can put any beat you want on it, but you got to sing the record the way I wrote it. Oh, wow. Yeah. He says, nah. Yo, he says, you're going to do yourself a disservice. Oh, straight up. He's like, and we wasn't getting it, but we, I was like, yo, we got to put this record on this album because Lauren didn't like the record neither. Really? Oh my God, we got booed. So I'm gonna tell you the story, going back to K-Rock. Okay. The guy says, let me listen to this Killing Me Softly thing. And he heard it. And he started playing it on K-Rock. That was the only urban-ish type of record they played up to that point of Uh the existence of K-Rock. Oh, wow. Once he started playing it, then the whole country, because it's the Fuji, and they're like, oh, Killing Me Softly with that tribe poem. Right. the country jumped right so the country jumped on it so the label was like wait I, we thought radio not was the single uh-huh so we had to pivot right and, and they shot a million dollar
0: video on radio right, or we not we shot a million dollar oh, a million dollars million on 3 to city. be exact wow wow and they pivoted to yeah so
1: so so she didn't like the record so what happened is we'll be performing. Now this record's popping off. Right. But we never performed the record. We at two million at this point, And we never performed the record once. We'll do a whole everything else, but not killing me softly. K Rock asked us to come perform. Uh-huh. We so they had this revolving stage. It was like Guns N' Roses. It was like, we're the only hip hop act, right? We come on stage, the whole audience is cool, they're excited, we perform everything but don't do Killin' Me Softly. And that's what they wanted to hear because that's all they know about us at this point. Mm-hmm. So as we leave, because we've done with our set, they start booing and throwing the shit on the stage. The promoter comes and say, y'all, y'all gotta perform Killin' Me Softly. They about to destroy the stage. There's no way y'all gonna leave and not perform Killin' Me Softly. Lauren was like, well, you know, we don't really, we never practice it, you know, we don't really perform it, it's just an album cut. He like, it's not just an album cut. It's a big record. You don't see them throwing things on the stage? So then we was like, all right, cool. So we go on and perform it. didn't even know what we was performing. Audience went ape shit. <laughs> we were like, oh, this this might be the record right here. Right. And that's how it came about.
0: Oh my god. Why was there a conscious effort for, on behalf of you guys? You and Clef both rapped. Lauren sings, why didn't you rap? Or is there a version where y'all did Killing Me Softly and had rap on it and it took it off?
1: So let me tell you why. So when I went to Lauren, because the way this record came about, remember Kiss FM, um, Love After Dark in New York, back in the day, they yeah. used to play this, okay. So one day we were in New York City and Lauren used to drive us around because we were so broke. So <laughs> she used to drive her mom Camry, all uh-huh. right. So her and I coming back from the city and she dropped me, dropping me off at Booker Basement, the studio we recorded at. And I'm just having a conversation with her and the song comes on, the extended version. Mm-hmm. And it got this, like, this this introduction and it felt like a hip hop like, and we just bopping our head. And I was like, yo, this is the record you need to do. And she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. whatever. So then a couple of days later I said, listen, this is what I think. We gotta treat the score like a mixtape. Our advantage, as far as like compared to everyone else, is that you are our Mary J. Blige mm-hmm. in this group. No one can say that. If Mary wanna do a record, she gotta go get uh, uh, with a rapper, she gotta go get Met the Man. Right. Right? If Met the Man wants a record, a girl to sing on his record, he gotta go get Mary J. Blige. We ain't gotta do that. We all in one. We can rap for you. We could be your Method man, man and you be our Mary J. Blige. So that's why you should do Killing Me Softly. But we didn't want to rap on it because we wanted to be a straightaway song because we know people knew her as a singer mm-hmm. from um, S- Sister Act. Right. So we're like, just vocal it, but what we're going to do is is make it hip hop and dirty it up. That's how we came with that. Right.
0: That and the one time. One, the, yeah. To give it that hip hop flavor. Uh-huh. You see know what
1: I'm saying to so it was a conscious of effort just to showcase, because that's who we were, that's who we are. you know. Yeah. We, we came from the church, we sing, we play, we do all that, you know right. what I'm
0: saying huh. So y'all did that, that record comes out, you do the K-Rock show, the record blows the fuck up. When the record got to two million, did you think that was it? Did you think like, okay, we, we a million had to be crazy for you?
1: Well it's so funny, I told Sony we was gonna do 10 million. They were like, prize. It's a good album. <laughs> if you go gold, uh-huh. you're on fire. Right. Let's focus on gold.
0: Right. <laughs> which is, for, for those who don't but know, you, you, not privy to conversation right. about records, that's 500,000 people right. buying a record. Now, you remember that hip-hop drop?
1: Where, like, you will put out a record. Yeah. So, so we finished the album. Now, mind you, the album cost 125000 So So for the first single, which was La. We wanted a hundred thousand dollars to go shoot it in Haiti, mm-hmm. and you know, back then Haiti, you know, those going outside of the country was like foreign, <laughs> right? It, right. Especially when you say Haiti, because it was really crazy back then, right? So labor was like, Haiti, we would never send you guys to Haiti. We can't get no insurance because Haiti's one of them countries no insurance company wants to insure. You doing anything in Haiti, especially at that time? Right, right. So we like, yo, that 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 food you like got that Caribbean flavor. You know, we want we got to do it outside. So they're like, listen, y'all can go to Jamaica maybe. So we're like, look, we need hundred thousand dollars. They're like, listen, we already spent one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Hundred thousand dollars, a lot of money to be spending on a video back then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we beg, we beg, we beg. Finally, we go to Jamaica. So they're like, listen, if we spend $100,000, we can't do anything else for you guys until this record drops so we know what's gonna happen. So we're like, all right, we're gonna, take our sh- we're gonna take our chance. So we put out the record. The single goes gold. It was gonna go platinum, but the label was like, we're gonna cut it off at 800000 so we can get people to go buy the album.
0: Oh, wow. So you sold 800,000 singles.
1: Yeah, yeah, because Chris Rock, I mean, Chris Cross was number one, we was number two. Right. Right. And so album comes out in February. They goes, man, based on early projections, you guys may have a gold album. So we sell 70,000 the first week. Okay. So we, man, wow, so we was like number.
0: Okay, 70,000 the first week on the score. What did you sell the first week on your first album?
1: On the first album? Mm-hmm. We sold about mm,
0: four. Four thousand? Four. Four records? Yeah, four. Oh shit. So this is this is fucking fucking you up right now. <laughs> Yo, you just sold seventy thousand records on a sophomore album?
1: Bro, seventy thousand and we at like num- we're top ten now. Okay. We excited, like popping champagne label goes listen this is exciting just so you know you guys going to get the hip hop drop but don't worry about it uh-huh. you still have a gold album but next week it's not going to be 70,000 right it's probably going to be like 40 45 but you're going to consistently sell that and then you're going to have a gold and whatever the following week we sell
0: 90 Shit, so there was no drop off.
1: They were like, wait, wait, wait. Now,
0: now let me explain to people because <laughs> normally in the music business, there's always a drop off. Okay, It's, it's called a hip hop drop. It's called them. a hip hop drop. You'll do, if you do 100,000 the first week, that next week you're going to be around maybe 50, right. 60, 70. They did that 70 and then went up. It went up to 90. The next
1: week. So then it became, on the fifth week, it just kept going, going. So remember that woman Alliance was yeah, she had that biggest album. Yeah, Jagged Little Pill. Boom, she was selling three hundred thousand for like forty weeks straight. So we was chasing to beat her to get the number one record. Right. Yo, I
0: remember the. So the score was up against Jagged Little yeah, Pill. Yeah, because now, oh, now, now
1: we now now we had number two now after like six seven weeks we selling like one hundred fifty two hundred thousand. It's just going, but for like five seven weeks we just right below her from the 300, she was like 315 she was something. so we, we'll be like 312. Three, like, it gets never, and then she just, every time we get closer, somehow she goes a little bit higher. Uh-huh. Right? Finally, we had sold that one, we like 330, and we was the number one record in the country, man. that On feeling. the pop charts. Yeah, top 100.
0: Shit, dude, <laughs> on, <laughs> on the hip hop album? On a hip hop album. Who the fuck else that did that?
1: At that time, no one. At that time, now I mean, people came afterwards. Eminem and everybody else came right. and did it, but I mean, we were the first at that
0: time. Okay, you know what I mean? Right. Like the was, score is the number one record in the country. Period. Period. On, over all genres, that's fucking. That's gotta be amazing for a guy that sold four records on his first album. Yeah, man. And we had only
1: sold at that time when the score came out. We had sold maybe twenty five hundred records in total. In total. Of the first album. Right. And then after the score came out, it went platinum.
0: Right. The score went platinum. So now you're at five million. What's what's your thoughts at five million? You think you can make ten? You told them we're gonna make this shit gonna sell yeah, ten I told million But
1: you know what's so funny? It was so much going on at that time, you're not really thinking about that. You're thinking about Touring, everything else, because so everyone's coming to you. Like I, I met Princess Diana. Like every
0: you, you, you just why? <laughs> That's what a number one pop album would do for you.
1: Yeah, yeah you gotta remember. Who,
0: who was the most shocking person in at that time that you found that had your fucking album? That had it in their possession. Like you meeting Princess Diana, she knows the fuck the Fugees are.
1: I don't remember who, it was, but it, everybody knew the, like, it was one of those things, man. Everyone, it was.
0: Prize, how do you adjust your mind around having a number one album on the pop charts and you had five million, six million albums?
1: Once again, at that moment.
0: Coming from Lauren driving you right. around in a fucking Camry.
1: It was, like I said, everything coming at you. You're getting checks from the label. Label, I remember. Um, the score comes out, because you got to remember something, the reason we made so much money is because we owe so little to the label. When right. they, the label didn't get a chance to spend their marketing money, because 70,000, that's when they're like, okay, we're going to open up the budget. But then it went to 90. It was like, whoa, whoa, wait, we didn't even get a chance to spend this mark. That's why they put a million three in the video. It was like, that was your marketing and your video and everything, right. so here, take it, right? Uh-huh. So if the album only cost you 125000 it got recoup Within 10,000 records, it got to recoup. Wow. You feel what I'm saying to you? Yeah. So now we're all getting checks now. My first check was a million
0: dollar check. Shit. God <laughs> damn. They sent you a check. What did you do? Did you sit there and just look at this fucking check? Before?
1: Man, I ain't going to lie to you. I cry.
0: A million dollar God, check. That was so
1: good, man. I cried because listen, you from Jersey, man. You're not thinking, you know, you. Because you, we had a lot of acts come on around the time. For twelve
0: hundred dollars.
1: Twelve hundred dollars, bro. I used to eat chicken wings and fried rice every day, try to find a buck seventy five because you know it was it was hard. Right. But it, you know what's so funny? Back then, when I reflect on it, it was hard. But when I was living the moment, it didn't feel hard. Uh-huh. Cause we were happy doing what we were doing. We were just excited about making music. There's nothing like when you have something to look forward to. That's the greatest thing in life. Uh-huh. When you got something to look forward to. So we was looking forward to like, yo, we're gonna make this incredible album, even though we didn't know what it was. Uh uh-huh. you know? so, so yeah, I I might have been starving here and there. I mean chicken chicken ri- on fried rice. Chicken wings, hard, whatever, at that time. And when I wanted to treat it myself, I'd go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get the biscuit. You know, that was like... (laughs) (laughs) That was the shit, right? (laughs) I got $5, (laughs) though. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so then all of a sudden, the record company writes you a million-dollar check. And then you start meeting all these different people. So then I met this lawyer named John Branker, who's... Michael
0: Jackson's lawyer.
1: We became real cool. He says, you guys need a real check. He said, I'm going to help you get a check. So I remember when I told my manager about him, my manager hated him, because that's who sued him for Meatloaf. Okay. So I was like, oh, this is the guy I need then. Right. Right. If my manager don't like this guy, this is the person. So I went to the group, I said, listen, this is the guy we need to negotiate our publishing deal. He went in, Yo, they wrote each of us a $5 million check. Shit. So I was like, damn, God is incredible.
0: Yeah. God. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know? So it was oh good, man. my God! When did it? So you guys are coming off a 10 million soul album. When do y'all decide? Okay, there wasn't another Fuji's album after the score, right? What well, the,
1: the, the the plan was to do one more Fuji album, and then everyone go do their own thing. Okay. So that's why on the carnival, some of the carnival was the beginning of the Fuji's album. Okay. It was the start of the next album. So when that didn't pan out, so Clef just kind of like refocused it to being his for the carnival. Mm-hmm. But the next album was going to be the Fuji's. Why didn't it happen? I don't know what happened, oh, Lauren had just gotten pregnant. Okay. Right, so it was like.
0: But how does that twist around your whole fucking plan? Other people have gotten pregnant and then was like, okay, now let's get back in the studio. How does, because she's pregnant, what the fuck does that mean? You just did 10 fucking million. And Clough did extremely well with the carnival. How does her becoming pregnant change the trajectory of what the Fugees were?
1: Well, let me see how to put this. Okay. You, myself. What's your name, love? Harper. Harper. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Krista. Krista. So we're all on a ship together, right? And we see the Titanic. We see the, the iceberg is coming. And so we all gotta figure out how to get off of this ship safely. But Harper and I, we're fig- trying to figure it out, but you and Kristen Krista uh-huh. got some offside shit going on that we don't know about. So now all of a sudden, we come back and say, look, all right, we got the buoy, we got this, we're going, but you guys don't want to get off the ship because some shit popped off that we have no idea what happened when you guys went off to the side. Okay. So that's kind of like what happened. So you got to remember something. Yeah, it was you right. But I didn't know at that time that the two of them We're engaged with each other.
0: Okay. You see what I'm saying, You didn't know Lauren and Clef were messing with each other.
1: No. Okay. Because you got to remember something, man. I'm looking at it like this. This music shit is great, but it's also a hustle for me because I'm thinking about my future. Mm -hmm. There's no way. I went to Yale and Uh dropped out to do this. Right. So I know there's no other profession I could do to make that kind of money. That's right. So in my mind, and I know it's not gonna last. I just know, just based on previous, last hundred years of every group that tried to do it. Uh huh. Right, so in my mind, this group is not gonna be an exception to that rule. I just didn't know what point. So whatever they had going on, I didn't know. Then all of a sudden, we're on a road and I find out she's pregnant. you mm-hmm. pregnant. How, wait, how you got pregnant? been together all this? Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, sorry. That's okay. So, so that changed the whole trajectory of what I hadn't planned. Right. So now we got to kind of like adjust and figure it out and it's like, well. And then come to find out that, oh. Oh, you're not the father.
0: Okay. Well, Who the fuck is the father?
1: Right. It just got really crazy. Right. So
0: you didn't even, you didn't you had no idea first of all of her relationship with Wycliffe. None. And then you had no idea about Rohan either?
1: Nope. But the funny thing is this. It all makes sense now to me in retrospect. How so? Cuz it was all in front of me. But I was so and I, and I blame myself too because I think I could have I could have managed the situation had I really wanted to know. Maybe I think a part of me didn't really want to know. I didn't know but didn't want to know. You see what I'm saying, too? Because had I known, because I could have went to the dude and be like, yo, Playboy, that's not a good move. Don't go there. Not not to say that he wouldn't have done it, but I could have tried to kind of like diffuse it Mm -hmm. Better instead of saying, "I ain't got nothing to do with this," as long as I'm getting my money, right? Because then, in the long run, it affected the relationship of uh, three kids who went and chased greatness. Yeah, together, together, and I was as a as a unit. Because let me tell you, I'm gonna tell you why. I no matter what Lauren Hill ever do or say, I will always have so much love and respect for her because. I'm gonna tell you something she did in the very beginning of our career. So, back when we was kinda like just getting on, um, Penny Hardaway, when he was hot with um, Orlando. Mm -hmm. Remember he had that Sprite commercial? Yeah, yeah,
0: Little Penny and all that.
1: Boom. He goes to the manager and says, listen, I want Lauren Hill to do a commercial with her. And she's like, all right, great. And so the manager said, okay, cool, Um, the guys are ready, let us know the day, whatever. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't want the guys. I want Lauren. And she was like, well, I'm not doing anything without my crew. So you, you got to take all of us. You can't just pluck me away. So I think the, the ad agency offered her something like 3000000 million. Uh-huh. Yo, here's $3 million. You want to break it off with the guys, we don't give a fuck. But we don't want these motherfuckers on the set. Tell them Haitian hey, niggas go back to Haiti, but we want you. Mm-hmm. She turned it down. Oh wow. You feel me? Right. That's honorable. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Extremely too? honorable. Yeah. So 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 that means what happens at that time when we couldn't come back together, that was pain. Mm-hmm. For whatever their situation was, that's coming out of pain where she felt like, man, I don't know if I can step into that zone right now. Right. You see what I'm saying too? So, I, like I said to you, if, if I was to say at that moment to consult her and be like, because I'm the one who signed her when she was 11 years old. I went oh. to her parents' house and said, can I take your daughter to be in this thing I'm trying to do? Mm-hmm. And her mom and her father said, please protect my daughter. Right. So, in, in, to a certain extent, I felt like I let her down. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying to you? Like, the situation could have been managed better.
0: Right, so I she, think that's she was like, really, really openly, like seriously in love with y- Club. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess she couldn't feel like she could step back into that group and be because you guys were so tight. Y'all was around each other. Yeah, like all the creation was. Uh, yeah,
1: every it was, that's why it was so like wow. Well, y'all was what I mean, we used to sleep in the same room together. Right,
0: like. So I was like, "Shit, was happening?" With <laughs> like, <laughs> Y'all was bonking while I was asleep? Like, what the fuck was going on in there? Like, were you kidding me? "How did I miss this shit? Yeah. How did I miss oh, this shit?" Man. So you guys were actually the part. The first part of the carnival was supposed to be. You guys, and then I mean the Fuji album, and of course Lauren couldn't do it, and she was having a baby, and she was going through her own thing, withdrawing from Wyclef and whatever. And then y'all find this young man by the name of John Forte. Where did the fuck did y'all find John Forte at?
1: Lauren did. We find John Forte in the score because he produced two records on the score.
0: Really? Okay. He, he
1: did um, Family Business and Cowboy. Okay. Yeah. He was a great guy, man. Great guy. Talented. She brought him around. He was part of the camp. And um it's unfortunate what happened, but I mean he ended up coming out of the situation. Yeah, he you got know?
0: out he, he got out of the situation. He's good. But to stay in a record, my God, what a fucking smash, man. That was a Fuji record. That was a Fuji
1: Bro, listen. I told you, almost half of his album was a Fuji-ish record. So, staying Alive. That's why Lauren's on Guantanamela. Right. She's on another record on the carnival. That's why she's in the video, staying Alive. Because it was supposed to be a Fuji vibe, like, album. And it's just kind of like... And then it was like... And you're on a lot of records on that album, right? Yeah. On the carnival. Yeah, I'm on a three or four. So, the thing was this. That's why she was so supportive. Because she was like, All right, you know what? I'm pregnant. Look. Get your situation out the way. She didn't even want to do an album. She's like, all right, Clef, get your situation out the way. Let me have this child, and then we'll come back and really do a Fuji album. Right. But then, you know, fame and fortune does something to people, man, that is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think being young, you know, having this success on your own now, because no, now it's no longer a group thing where you can say, well, it was, it was the individuals. Because look, at the end of the day, you know everybody played a role, obviously, for the Fugees, but you can't discount the fact that like, the biggest record came from this particular dude. Like, right. I'm the guy who basically forced y'all to do the record, came up with the track Quest drum pattern, like, so does that mean I'm less important than the person who actually sung the record? No. Right. See what I'm saying to you? Right. So it was like, all right, you know what? It's one third, one third. I'm gonna give y'all that. But then now I'm on my own and I'm popping on my own. Well, fuck all of y'all now. See what I'm saying to you? Th- that that starts creeping in. Mm-hmm. And people start to feel like, the fuck? Church boy? Church- like Right, this is just coming about? from Clef. I'm just saying, you right. know what I'm saying, to you. So it's kind of like vibes started to get crazy where you feel like, well, I don't... I never believe you never going to need someone. Mm-hmm. That's never... Because you never burn a bridge because you never know when you got to cross that bridge back. Right. No matter... Even if you go into a castle and you got an army and you got planes and helicopters, like, man, fuck that bridge. I don't need it. You ain't got no gas, no fuel to, to, put, to put on a helicopter and oh, all you got is a horse now. Right. And now you gotta get back over the bridge, but you that's just burned right. that bridge. You just
0: the shit down. You fucked. Right. You feel me? Yeah, <laughs> That's just crazy. You know, so. But it's heartbreaking too, Pros, because you guys came up together. Like, I remember early seeing you guys, man, and y'all was just so much of a unit, you didn't have shit, you were hungry, you wanted to be respected in hip hop, and it was just always, Y'all three, man, just going in the whole—you know—you had y'all had your whole movement, a crew, and everybody believed in in the talent of all of y'all individually, and didn't see the shit go left. It was fucking disgusting and heartbreaking for me, man. I mean, great music came out of this shit, right? You know what I mean, Lauren? Fuck, right? Yeah. That was that whole album is yeah. pain. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's from pain. fucking pain. Like one of the greatest albums that was ever made, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. I don't know if fuck if you male or female, that album came from mm-hmm. pain. No doubt. That and then you came you came out, you did your fucking thing, and you got an O D B and you did ghetto superstar, you did your own album, which was fucking dope. And Clef did his own album that was dope. Why after all of that shit? Okay, we went through this pain. Why can y'all never I mean, what how long ago was that? We y'all did a record together, we heard about it, it was like, Oh shit, the Foogies is coming back?
1: Oh, you mean a leak?
0: Yeah, we were we Yeah,
1: that was that was old record that we See, 12 years ago, we tried to do the reunion. Yeah, I, mean, I remember that. Right, right, right. It just couldn't.
0: Was deal. that true? She wanted y'all to call her Miss Hill? I mean, she wants everyone
1: to call Miss Hill. But c- can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's the difference between somebody saying, "Oh, Dirty saying, call me Old oh, Dirty Bastard? That's not his real name. Right. But you call him Old oh, Dirty Bastard. Right. Rest in peace, Old oh, Dirty. But I'm just saying. So to me, calling her Miss Hill is like saying calling Christopher Wallace Biggie Smalls. Okay. Why people feel offended. You didn't, you, didn't,
0: you didn't take it offensively when she said when I came. Why? Why? <laughs> what do you Because you, you know her from day one, and she's a fucking Lauren to you. Like, don't yeah. come to me with that well, fucking I, well, call me Miss Hill well, shit. She, you fucking she, Lauren. You know
1: what she could say? She could say, Whitecliffe, I know you as Nell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, although that is his real name, that's right. his middle name. She could say, Prize, I know you as Samuel. Right. Although that is my real name. But the point I'm saying is, for me, it's not that big of a deal because I'm looking at it like, look, whatever it's going to take to make this particular individual happy and feel like she's being respected, like, we can get our job done, which is, let's get this record. Let's go make $300 million. That's how I'm thinking. (laughs) For me, you, you want me to call your highness? No problem. You want me to drop rose petals? Yo, let's I'm trying to buy a plane. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't take it personal. I don't right. know why people take things so personally. Like, uh-huh. I never take anything personal. Right. Because to me, at the end of the day, it, it's like, as opposed to what? Like, this is supposed to be fun. You want me to call Miss Hill? Yes, Miss Hill. Yo, I remember when she first said it to me. I like Miss Hill. What's up, Miss Hill? And we start laughing because she knew I knew it was absurd, but, yeah, I'm good with it. <laughs> you know I'm right. you know I'm you, but I'm good. I'm respecting you. Right. You call me Proz. That's not my real name. My real name is Samuel, Proswell Michelle. So technically she could be like, Sam. Right. I'd be like, what the fuck you calling me Sam for? You got to call me Proz. Right. You see what I'm saying to you? Uh-huh. So I never took it like that. You know what I mean? I couldn't understand why people might. I think the reason people really take offense to it is because it's Miss Hill. But no one took offense when Puffy said, "Call me Diddy." Diddy, right? Or call P. Me Diddy. P Diddy,
0: right? You see, what or I'm Jay saying? dropped the
1: hyphen from the well, name. Nobody's going up in up in arms about it. So now you can imagine how she feels as a woman. She like, yo, if it was a dude, y'all won't be going crazy because I'm a woman. Now
0: everybody feel like they they don't want to call me Mr. right, right, right. Well, right. right. I understand that. So why didn't that work 12 years ago? We were fucking excited, dude.
1: Yo. I was hyped. It was almost there, man. I ain't fucking gonna lie Fucking start them.
0: sweating under my arms and shit. It I'm like a Fuji album,
1: nigga? It was almost there. Hips Don't Lie it was almost a Fuji record, boy. Wow. But it didn't work, so we gave it to Shakira.
0: Oh, wow. And that shit took the fuck off. <laughs> 12 years ago, what, what, what the fuck? Prize, I think I'm speaking for every fucking hip hop fan in the world, what the fuck, man? What the fuck is going on that you fucking three fucks can't get in the fucking studio (laughs) and make a. I don't give a fuck if y'all don't talk to each other. I don't give a fuck, man. If y'all, if somebody got to come in, put their part down, well, that ain't going to be the Fugees, but what the fuck is going on? Y'all can't make a record.
1: Let me say this to you. Humility is to me a big factor in life. And when you don't have humility, Playboy. Mm hmm. Because, see, she moves in a certain way. See, to me, I always look at it like respect everyone's culture. Your truth, I gotta respect it, whether I agree with it or not. Right. I have to respect your truth, her truth, right? And the minute I feel like, man, fuck that nigga, then now I'm disrespecting your truth. So that means I have no humility. And so, someone like Miss Hill, AKA L Boogie, AKA Lauren Hill, a.k.a. one of the greatest female artists in the last 30 years. Absolutely. She doesn't care about none of this shit. All she cares about is truth and respect. And if you don't have that, that woman would rather go into a place of misery than to feel like, see, I'm different. I'm a type of nigga, you do all types of crazy shit to me, I might be pissed off of you, might want to kill you. Oh, we can make money together? Well, fuck all that shit. Right. But I'm different. (laughs) Right, that's (laughs) your truth. That's my truth. She does not move like that. Her thing is, when we first started, we were equal. It didn't matter if the world was bowing down to me and say, y'all two niggas need to go back to Haiti. No, I don't give a fuck. I'm rocking with you niggas. Right. So don't go sell 100 million records and think all of a sudden, You whatever the fuck. That don't mean nothing to me. So the minute you go there, even if I could make... Bro, five months ago, we got an offer for $90 million to go on the road. They're like, no, y'all ain't even going to do a record. Let's go on the road. We're going to give y'all niggas $90 million. She's like, no. And I respect that. I wasn't even really caught. I mean, (laughs) I can't say that. I would have made about... I probably would have made $22 out of it. But but I understand what she's saying because there's nothing like when you... The worst thing is, is when you're in a room with someone and y'all don't gel with each other, and you gotta work with each other. That's prison, my dude. Uh-huh. I don't, yo, now maybe I'm speaking from a point of luxury in a sense of like, I got my home in Beverly Hills. I got my home in Soho. I'm living a great life. My investment was great. So maybe I'm saying that because I'm no longer eating chicken wings and fried rice. I'm at Nobu now. Okay, maybe that's why I'm talking reckless like that. but. I know maybe if I was broke, I probably would have begged and trying to figure out how to get this thing to pop. With her, it doesn't matter if she's broke. If she's not in that space, she's not fucking with it. Wow. And I gotta respect that to a certain extent, even though I feel like, shit, I could use an extra 22 million. Right, yeah, (laughs) shit, yeah, me too,
0: fuck. (laughs) Wow, gee, please Lauren, can we, shit, yeah. But she's in that for real space. She's a, yo. She is the epitome of what you call a true
1: artist. There's no fakeness about that. None. Miseducation for all the women. And I'm talking to all the sisters. All women, but in particular, the sisters. Black women. I promise you, I can attest to this. Every note she sung on that record was real. You know, he had some artists try to act like they're Bohemian, they're just all yeah. And then quietly they're watching Love and Hip Hop or they on that. She doesn't do none of that. Her, sh- her shit is so real. Mm. That's why I got to respect it. You see know what I'm saying too? In the sense of like, yo, I'm going to rock with it when I feel like i want to rock with it. That's when, when we did Dave Chappelle. Right. It was, oh, they, you see, let me give you an example. So Dave Chappelle went to her to do it for him. And she was like, What do you think about the Fujis?" He said, The Fujis?" Right. You can get the Fuji's to do this? She said, I I can't get anyone to do anything, but I'll call Clefman Prize and see if they wanna do it. Why not? You see, it's now no, yo, we're gonna plan this big thing, we're gonna put ten million in the market and oh when the Fuji's coming out and She like, uh mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm gonna do Dave because Chappelle Dave Chappelle's incredible. I love the dude. He is his truth. That's why it makes sense when he walked away from that fifty million dollars. Right. They wanted the same. You see what I'm saying to you? They don't give a fuck. <laughs> I can't walk away from no fifty million dollars. Nah, millions. me either. Fuck that.
0: My truth is I don't wanna be broke ever. I can't Thank you. no, I can't right. walk away from those right. fucking fifty million. <laughs> fuck that. Whether you laughing with me or at me, I don't give a fuck. I got fifty million dollars motherfucker. <laughs> Laugh your ass off. Uh, no, sir. Yeah. Man. No sir. what, what is your guys' relationship like right now? Oh well, me and Lauren, we're cool. I mean, I I was with her we texted
1: in there, you know, I said happy birthday to her. Right. She said happy birthday to me, whatever. Um so we're no you know what I mean we're good mm-hmm. we, we have always been in a good space I think if she ever had any issue with me it's the issue where she felt like you could have protected me better mm-hmm. even though I would have made that's why I don't play like the biggest lesson I learned is this I'm gonna tell you when I think you fallen in the pit if you choose to still go fall in that pit then you made that decision knowing that I told you you're going to fall in a pit. Right. Not, I see you falling, and I don't do anything about it. Because her thing is, even though if you came to me and told me your boy's crazy, I probably wouldn't went back to him and said, your man just told me you're crazy, but that's whatever the fuck. But at least I know you protected me versus you standing by idly, acting like you don't see what's going on, and all you're thinking about is your money. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying, too? Right. So... And I apologize for that, and I owned up to that, you know, as a man. So ever since then, we've been cool, like we're good, you know. Mm-hmm. Call her, you know. She did a show for me. She did an appearance for me. I did this event at Tiffany's in New York for Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. Tiffany and Protect Philippe. I like Miss Elle, I got a check for you. She, I call her I'm like I got a check for you. She said it's funny. Everything about you is a check. <laughs> 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 but she came and killed it. Right. Came and like gave me three songs. It was just incredible, you know, crying, I right. loved it, whatever. So we're good. Um uh, me and, and Wyclef, I haven't spoken to him in about a year, but we be cool. If I if I see him, you know.
0: I I believe he may be in town, uh I think. Who? Wyclef, this week, right? What? what? Huh? Do you have a show tomorrow? Yeah, Terminal West. Yeah, Terminal West? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. You still in town? You dope, pop up.
1: Yeah, unfortunately,
0: <laughs> <I'm> flying out. <laughs> <laughs> you any ch- any chance ever do you see you guys doing something? Because that that leak was an old song, then old
1: oh, twelve years old. Okay, but but I you know what I tell I told somebody just the other day a couple of hours ago. I said, listen, the likelihood of us doing something is the same likelihood. Of Donald Trump becoming president before he became president
0: and we were like, mm. right? What did you think his ne- ch- it was never gonna happen? I was like, nope, there's no fucking way this guy's gonna be the president of the United States. But it he, didn't happen. And, right, exactly. Right. So that's <laughs> that's it, huh? <laughs> yeah, we could think no fucking way, and then right. the next thing you right. know, y'all like got on the phone right. and I'm like, hey, let's do this shit. Right. Yeah.
1: I'ma say this to you. It's frustrating for me also because and I'm gonna leave with this. I do believe I've been blessed to be around those two. Mm-hmm. Two of the most incredible talent. If we ever come back, the one thing that gives me solace about this whole crazy, fucked up, turbulence sh- group shit, this shit going to be fucking incredible because she's not going to waver that. Like if it's not that vibe for her, she's not fucking with it. So I know if she says, she put a stamp on that shit, oh, I'm good. Because it's right. going to be incredible. It don't matter if it's a year from now, 20 years from now, it's going to be incredible. Because she's not going to want no less than that.
0: Right. And that's how y'all play. And that's what y'all have always been giving us, man. You know what I'm saying? So, always been giving us. What's, what's What's next, man? What's new?
1: Well, right now I'm working on this project. Um, it's called Prosperent. This is a project I'm dedicating to Haiti. It's not a charity album, but I'm dedicating to Haiti. So I got a record with Young and May. I got this next single. is with Mary J. Blige, mm. Rick Ross, and myself. Yo, when I tell you classic Mary J. Mm. Blige, yo, t- yo, remember I said this here. This is the first time I'm going to say this. Y'all going to be like, oh my God, we this. <laughs> got Mary, I got my man Neo. Um got a couple other artists. I'm I'm waiting for their verses okay. for their records, but yeah, dropping it in the fall. Just doing that. And I just been traveling the world, doing my thing, living life, yeah. being so happy and blessed to live the life that I live, man. Yo, we blessed. I always say this and you 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 could, you know this better than probably your audience because you know I grew up in the 80s and I always say, what would we do? What would what we would have done if hip hop didn't exist?
0: Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I fucking, I don't know, man. Because hip hop saved my life. It's just enabled me to feed my family and put kids through college and all kind of shit. I I still can't believe I'm still making money because of hip hop. I can't fucking believe this shit. It's Yo, amazing.
1: It's amazing. Yeah, yo, you know, one of my man, I'm gonna leave with this because I know we gotta go. But one of my man came to me. He said to me, he said, "Yo, this is four days ago." He was like, "I was complaining about some sh." Oh, my man called me. I was flying privately, right? My man called me on the phone. The phone rings on a plane, uh-huh. but you can't really hear the person when you when you like say hello, 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 right? And I'm pissed off, and I'm like, "Yo, what the fuck, man? This shit's crazy." My man's like. Yeah, Yo, you complaining about Wi-Fi on a plane you can't hear a phone on a plane he said you just came from Sudan like they ain't got nothing to eat out there <laughs> you go to Haiti and you complain about Wi-Fi. I said man my bad you are right he said but prize bigger than that nigga you haven't put out a record in fucking 20 years and you flying privately you understand how blessed you are and I had to kind of like step back and be like damn he's right right you know I, I gotta I gotta be happy for my blessings. How many motherfuckers put out records and then tomorrow they broke? That's right. You feel me, I'm saying to you? Yeah. So, and then I it goes back to, man, what would I do without hip hop? And I I just, I just think we just sometimes need to take a moment to just step back and just be happy and appreciate the things we have. That shit might sound corny, but yo, I'm telling you, this is some real shit. I've been in this game for 24 years. Yes. And I can say, God is merciful and he's good.
0: And and on behalf of my listeners, I want to say this to you. Thank you. Thank you guys for the music. Even if y'all never make another record together, thank you. Thank you for music that changed lives and changed perceptions. First of all, changed perceptions on a whole on a whole ethnicity of people. Mm. You know, right. Haitian people were all oh, them Haitian motherfuckers. Right. Ah, oh, the Haitian motherfuckers. You know, I used to be a, a fucking school security officer in Andrew Jackson High School, and the Haitian community in the school—they were marginalized, It was right. like, get out of here. Right. You know, we black, we Jamaican motherfucker, we black. Oh, <laughs> here come them fucking Haitians. So they're going, they're going bo- voodoo smoke. You know, everybody had a joke. You don't fuck with one of them, they pull that powder out and, in your fucking face, and you fucked up. You grow another foot, and y'all, got, and, and like you gave, you guys gave a face to Haitian people, man. You really did. You made being Haitian acceptable and fucking cool, and it wasn't. It really fucking wasn't. It, and as black people, we all should feel ashamed of the way we treated our own fucking people. You know what I mean? But you guys did that, and the, the people of Haiti and the Haitian people of America owe you motherfuckers a debt of gratitude because you made it cool and you're the first fucking Haitian rap group that ever came out and just fucking slayed every fucking thing. We didn't even know that shit existed. A Haitian that can fucking rap? Come on, get the fuck out of here. If a Haitian walked up to a cypher and was like, Hello, my name is Plaza Machete, <laughs> and started rapping, we'd have been like, Get the fuck out of here, Haiti boy. Get out You know what I mean? Y'all made this shit fucking dope. The biggest Haitian that we knew. Before you guys that had permeated our culture was the Haitian kid, the wrestler. Remember him? Oh, right. Yeah, the Haiti little kid. Haiti yeah, 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 kid. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, all we did. That, yeah, that's yeah, little, yeah. the little, the, the <laughs> fucking uh, small person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. who we knew. We didn't know anybody from Haiti. And if there was a rap artist that was Haitian, they didn't say, say they were Right, Haitian. right, right. They weren't proud to be right. Haitian, man. Thank y'all for that. Thank you for the incredible music, man. Thank you for the success. You know what I mean? Nobody had sold, black people wasn't selling 10 million fucking albums. They did 10 million before Outkast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody, no group had came out from Jersey, from the from where we from, yeah. from the block, from mm-hmm. the hood, and sold 10 million fucking records. And the New York rap group, a Jersey rap group is, at that, Jersey was marginalized. Yeah. Jersey was out of Jersey motherfuckers yeah, yeah, can't rap. Yeah. We had Red Man come from Jersey, Naughty, Latifah, Lords, Lords, you know, uh Rod Digger, mm-hmm. you know, all that Jersey shit. But y'all, man, y'all made Jersey the shit. You took it to that next plateau for what everybody else did, but y'all took that shit somewhere it had never been before, man. And on behalf of everybody that's a Fuji fan, a Proz fan, a Wyclef fan, a Lauren fan, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And thank you for doing this podcast with me, man, my brother. Man, thank you, man.
1: Thank you, man. I'm always here about, you know, supporting everything, especially blackness. Yes, sir. You feel me? Appreciate it's you. very important, man. Like um, that, That's my mission right now, man. I feel like I just want to go and try to spread it. Mm-hmm. We have to understand our power. I'm going to give you a little stats that you probably don't know. Black people, we own about a trillion dollar worth of assets. Mm-hmm. Only five percent of our money stay in the community. Yeah. Now listen to this fact. If we were able to go from five to eight percent, it would employ a million black people. Oh wow. I just learned that from this guy who owned a um uh black bank in Washington, DC. He's the seventh largest, seventh largest black owned bank in the country.
0: Wow. Prize Michelle in the building with me, man. That's gonna do it, man. Thank for you very on much on the podcast. Y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. As always, I'll talk with you, after you, to you, and definitely about your ass the next time. Come on, send the podcast. And that will probably be next week. All right? Y'all be good, man. And love each other, man. Be quick. All right? That's Ed Lover. Come on, send the podcast. Let me get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. I'm out. Peace. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast.